Hi, everybody. So before we get started, I just want to let you know that I am putting together a fundraiser to get Ant-Man 4 made because the rumor is that that's not going to happen and that would be a disaster, of course. So if you could kindly donate uh, just like $150 to me, you can Venmo it to me at the end of this episode. That would be great. Thank you. I'm reviewing here. Ooh, I have no idea where that came from. Ant-Man? I think Ant-Man 3 is now streaming on Disney+, and that's just what made me think about it. I don't know, you guys. I'm not a comedian. I can't think of, I can't think of jokes on the spot. Come on. I can barely think up of my 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 words on the spot. You see? Bleh, I, I, I'm terrible. I'm terrible at everything. Hi, everybody. Uh, so my name is Matthew Bussey. I'm your host of I'm Reviewing Here, a podcast where I am watching and reviewing Sight and Sound's top greatest movies of all time. What is Sight and Sound? I don't, I don't, I can't get into it right now. This is what, like the 45th episode? Just go back and listen to some, honestly. And I, you know, I think actually, do I have it in the, in the description? No, I don't describe what Sight and Sound is. I don't know. It's a long story. I hope you all had a wonderful, uh, oh wait, no, this airs in the morning. Well, whatever, whatever time you're listening to it. I just hope you're having a good life. I hope you're having a good week. Happy June. Joyeux juin, as they say in France, in uh, French, which they never say. Who the hell says happy June? I don't know. But uh, things are good. Um, I'm actually recording this not in June because I like to record my episodes early. I spoke last episode about doing the Murph Challenge for Memorial Day, which was today. And I did it. And I did a good job. And I posted a whole video of it to my Instagram. And it got one like. I am over the moon. I am so famous and happy and excited. And it doesn't even matter who liked it. It was actually just my dad. But you know what? Who cares? I did it. It was probably disturbing. I think I disturbed a lot of people in that video. The sight of me trying to do push-ups with my bony arms. I look like I am actually uh, like a decrepit little, like, uh, what's the dude's name? Dobby. I look like Dobby, but like tall and uh, better looking. No offense. Sorry, Dobby, but I am better looking than you. Oh man, today. Well, it's good to get a little humor in before uh, diving into today's movie because today's movie... It's a little bit depressing, uh, but it is a marvelous movie. Uh, this is a movie that won a lot of Oscars, including Best Picture at the Academy Awards uh, in the year 1979. It has a very big cast. Uh, it's a very famous war movie. I wouldn't really totally call it a war movie, though, to be perfectly honest. A bit of a controversial opinion, I think, but... I hope when I start explaining it, I'll make sense, uh, and I hope I make sense to you as well, uh, because sometimes I see things in my head out loud that I think make sense, excuse me, but they don't. So we, I will give it a try. Today, everybody, my dearest listeners, my dearest devotest, devotest, most devout listeners, uh, devotest, what the heck did that come from? Okay, listeners, today we're going to, I'm going to talk about uh, a very famous movie called The Deer Hunter. Take a listen. One shot is what it's all about. The deer has to be taken with one shot. Blessed is the kingdom of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.
Nautilus with me. You want to stay down here and die? What's the matter with you? Don't you recognize me? Oh, God. Yeah, it's a lot. And of course, right as I was uh listening to that trailer my poor dog ran in the room crying because they're lighting fireworks on memorial day and she doesn't like fireworks <sighs> that's sad dogs do not like fireworks if you have a dog don't get fireworks i, don't know, I was gonna say something mean but and snarky but again i'm not a comedian i don't know what to say at this moment frankie it's okay sweetie calm down she's freaking out right now um oh man so the deer hunter wow uh I remember as a kid, you know, learning about movies and I first read about the deer hunter, uh, or I first saw, yeah, I first read about it from seeing a picture from the movie of a very bruised and battered and cut up, uh, Robert De Niro, young Robert De Niro pointing a gun at his head and like smiling, like laughing, whatever. And it looked really intense and um, my parents, I don't really think I asked them about the movie. And then it probably wasn't until high school when I got uh, The Deer Hunter in the mail in Netflix. And uh, I don't know why I said that. And uh, I watched it. And you know what? Just the other day was the second time I've ever sat through the whole the whole thing. Why do I keep burping during this episode? God damn it. I'm sorry. It's ruining everything. This is a disaster of an episode. I'm sorry. Um, long story short, yes. No, this was the second time I had seen the, the, uh, the Deer Hunter. Why? You know, the first time I saw this movie, I was blown away by it. But it is intense. And intense is not even a strong enough intense word to describe how intense it is. It is like maximum intense. I, I can't think up. I, I can't think of another word to describe it. I said earlier that this is, uh, I don't really see this as a war movie, even though it is considered to be one of the greatest war movies of all time. Uh, it's a Vietnam war movie. I slightly disagree with that. I'm going to tell you why the war in the movie plays a big part of the story, of course. But when you tell me war movie, I'm thinking like action adventure, start to finish action sequences, big, 
special effects and blow ups and 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 all that. You know, like Saving Private Ryan or The Longest Day. That was a very famous war movie from the sixties. I don't know. All Quiet on the Western Front. The Deer Hunter is not that. You know, actually, the war sequences in the Deer Hunter. There's that whole. That's only like. I would say like 30 minutes of the whole movie. And the movie is three hours long. Yeah. So it's kind of ironic. Like, how could a movie with so little war scenes be so intense? And, and I've seen crazy, you know, shit in my life. Uh, in movies, that is. Uh, yeah. So it's like, why? how could I not watch this again? This movie is so powerful in its depiction of PTSD. I think that is the best... Thing about it that's why i love it so much that's why it has and forever will be a masterpiece it's one of those movies that portrays ptsd and i don't have ptsd i mean sometimes i feel like i do but um i don't think i've been i don't think i do i think i've i'm just you know a whiny kid but whiny guy i mean but uh you know the deer hunter though it really captures like the inescapable pain so many soldiers to this day still have even when they're back home safe you know even when god forbid like if they lost an arm or a leg or you know they had they had brain damage or whatever you know like even if they're better because they're back home that pain and that fear and that anxiety never goes away and The Deer Hunter came out in 1978. This was not too long after the Vietnam War ended. And funnily enough, uh, this was like a big year for Vietnam War movies because there was another movie that came out called Coming Home with uh, Jane Fonda, John Voight, when he was likable. Sorry, that's all I'll say about that. And uh, uh, what's his name? Bruce Dern? Yeah, Laura Dern's uh, father. And that was another Vietnam movie uh, about Vietnam veterans. And I think the deer hunter is, yeah, I think that's kind of more of what the deer hunter is about. It's about veterans, but it's mostly, it's less about war. It's more about pain, you know, um, the pain that the protagonist in this movie happened to, happened to, uh, you know, endure just unfortunately is the Vietnam war and a, and a group of seriously nasty, uh, Viet Cong people who torture them. Now I'm going to get into that because the deer hunter, I actually was a little surprised, uh, probably because um, I didn't know this movie as much as I did, obviously, but The Deer Hunter was super controversial when it came out. It got very good reviews, but there were also a lot of critics that hated it. They thought it was very racist, and uh, here it is, propagandistic, sort of, propagandistic. I read somewhere that Jane Fonda uh, hated this movie and thought it was a very, uh, you know, propagandistic movie and that in the way that it depicted the Viet Cong as the sadistic, like, you know, villainous, evil, evil people. Now I'm not going to get into politics also because I, I'm horrible with history and I don't know the Vietnam War that much. Uh, I was taught it in high school and pff, do you really think I was listening? Come on. Um, the Deer Hunter though. God, where do I begin with this movie? Um, I think... It's a movie that is so well acted, too. That is what saves it, in, in a weird sense. Um, and I think what makes it so daring, it's not just the acting, but what makes it so daring as a quote-unquote war movie, if we want to call it that, is, I mean, I don't want to sound redundant, but kind of like what I'm saying, though, it, it, 
it's structured in a way that is so different from your usual Hollywood war movie. And that's thanks to Michael Cimino, the director of the film. Now, Michael Cimino, this really was, uh, he passed away, when did he pass away? Oh yeah, he passed away in 2016. This really was like his only really famous movie. Uh, he did a movie two years after this called Heaven's Gate. That was a colossal bomb, a uh, huge bomb. Oh my God. It cost $44 million to make and it only made three and a half million worldwide. That's really sad. But he's kind of mostly just known for the deer hunter. Uh, he co-wrote this movie with Derek Washburn, Louis A. Garfinkel, Quinn K. Redeker, I think is how you say the name. And, you know, Chimino was even quote, he, he's even quoted as saying that this wasn't, he wasn't really trying to necessarily make a war movie. It's more of a character study, I think. It's a character study where war is just a little bitch in the background that destroys these characters' lives, uh, you know, irre irrevocably, honestly. So I guess let's just get into it. I'm going to get into it. Um, I always say let's because I always think you guys can talk and you can hear me and you can raise your hand and respond. But, you know, uh, it's a habit. So The Deer Hunter stars a few uh, very little-known actors. Uh, Robert De Niro, small guy. I don't know if you guys know him. Meryl Streep. Eh, she's a little underrated. She's only been nominated for, like, I don't know, like a Golden Globe, I think. And uh, Christopher Walken, you know, who's that guy? Uh, I'm just kidding. All right, I'll shut up now. Yeah, three incredible actors. Um, I also am so mad that Robert De Niro and Meryl Streep, like, aren't married in real life. Did they date? I don't know if they ever, ever dated, but they are so freaking cute together. They did a movie again in the 90s. I forget the name of it. But uh, they're in this. Christopher Walken, I, like cannot praise this man's performance in this film enough. I think this is his best performance ever. And, you know, I'm a Hairspray geek. I saw Hairspray in, in 2007. I love him in that movie. It's uh, Christopher Walken. He's been in freaking everything. Pulp Fiction, Wedding Crashers, uh, 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 Sleepy Hollow. Oh my God, he was in Sleepy Hollow. He played the Headless Horseman in that. That was on TV the other day. Yeah, um, he's been in a lot, obviously, but I, I think this really is his best performance. So... This movie is set in 1968 uh, in this very uh, mountainy part of western Pennsylvania. It's a very small town, and it follows a group of friends. There are five friends. There's Mike, Nick, and Steven. Mike is De Niro. Nick is Christopher Walken. And uh, Steve, or Stevie, is played by an actor named Shirley Stoller. Uh, oh, God. No, no, no. That's not <laughs> That was his mom. Crap. Why can't I get the actor's name? Wait, where did I leave that note? Jesus Christ. No, that's, uh, that is John Savage. John Savage. John, John Savage. I'm sorry, guys. John Savage, uh, is Steve in this movie. And I feel like I recognize him so much. He looks so familiar, but for some reason I don't, he was in the movie hair, you know, the musical movie, musical hair, uh, dawning of Aquarius, the, the age of Aquarius, that movie, but I've never seen it. Uh, so they're best friends. And there's also three other best friends, Axel, Stan, and John. And Stan is played by this incredible actor named John Cazal. John Cazal. I always want to say John Cazale, but it's not his name. It's not how you say it. John Cazal, his story as uh, an actor is really tragic. So John Cazal died when he was 42 before this movie came out. So he also was dating Meryl Streep at the time. They almost didn't uh, because his, he died of cancer. And because his cancer was getting so worse, uh, so much worse, they almost 
like took him out of the movie and Meryl Streep actually threatened to leave as well. So they kept him in. John Cazal, though, his story, his history as an actor is just amazing, though. I mean, he was only in a few movies, but every one of those movies is a cinematic classic. He was in The Godfather, The Godfather Part Two, Dog Day Afternoon, such a good movie. The Conversation, I don't think that's on this list, but so good, Gene Hackman. He did a lot of Francis Ford Coppola movies, and he's uh, brilliant in this. There's actually, uh, I forget the name of the movie, but there is a short document. It's like 40 minutes. There's a documentary all about John Cazal on uh, Max. It's not called HBO Max anymore, Max, which I would recommend. Axel is played by this actor who was not an actor. His name uh, is uh, Chuck Aspegrin. Aspegrin, I think that's how you say his name. And they, uh, Michael Cimino and, you know, the, the staff basically uh, discovered him. He was a steel worker in Chicago and they just really liked him. And he's a very natural actor in this film. And who else am I forgetting? Oh, John. John is played by an actor named George, uh, I believe it's Zunza. George Zunze. I, I think that's how you say it. I've seen his name so many times, but I actually don't recognize him. So John and, uh, not Axel, John and, no, Axel. John and Axel look really alike in this film, and I had a lot of trouble separating them apart. But anyway, they're all best friends. They're all steel workers. They work in this mill. Uh, and Steve is getting married. He is getting married to this woman named Angela. Angela is actually pregnant, but not by Steve. Now, that's not really a big part in the movie. I don't really get the purpose of that little plot point in the movie, but eh, it is what it is. And it's also left up in the air as to who the father is. Uh, but it's pretty much implied that it is uh, Nick. So I know I just gave you a ton of characters. The main characters to remember are Mike, Steve, and Nick. So De Niro, who plays Mike, uh, Nick, who pl uh, Walken, I'm sorry, who plays Nick, and John Savage, who plays Steven, not John Savage's mother. mother. Okay, so they're all best friends. Uh, Steve is getting married, uh, and they're all having a great time. We also see Meryl Streep's character come in. She plays Linda. Linda is this beautiful, young, gorgeous, fragile woman who oh, she is like living with her father, and her father is an alcoholic and an abusive dickhead, and he hits her. And Mike and Nick, you know, they're best buddies, but you can kind of tell that they both have crushes on Linda. Linda kind of knows that as well. But the first half of this movie all takes place at Stephen and Angela's wedding. It's this big Greek Orthodox wedding and um, the whole, there's so much emphasis on this. And Chimino is very, very uh, obvious with that, that choice. You know, I think he really does this to show, give this movie a really realistic feel. You know, he's really showing you just everyday Americans and he intentionally makes it long, you know, and like there's some things that happen, um, you know, well, the big thing that happens is, you know, they get married and Linda tells, um, no, I'm sorry, Nick ends up proposing to Linda uh, because Nick, I don't even remember if I said this, but Mike, Steve, and Nick, I mean, it's pretty obvious because it's a war movie. They're going to war. They're going to Vietnam soon. They're going right after uh, Steve gets married. So everybody kind of knows this. They don't really talk about it that much, um, but there are, you know, subtle hints that obviously something 
is not something good is not going to happen because duh, they're going to war. What the hell hap- good happens out of war? So Nick actually proposes to Linda at the wedding, and he kind of just tells her it's kind of like a like a friendly proposal, though. You know, I think because he tells that she's he can tell that she is just so lonely and damaged, and he you know is about to go to hell. So he really does just tell her, look, like we're both not happy. Let's just get married together, you know? And it's a very sweet moment. You know, they kiss and it's nice. Uh, the next scene is a little spontaneous because Mike gets a little bit drunk and he uh, ends up streaking down the street. And uh, yeah, you see De Niro's penis right up, not super close, but you do see it. De Niro is also fully nude in a movie called 1900 where he actually gets uh, a double handy with uh, fellow actor Gerard Depardieu. And it's not simulated. Never seen it, though. 1900 is like five hours long and not on this list, so I don't think I'm going to have to sit through it. These guys also, all the friends, remember Axel, Stan, and John, they're not going to war. Uh, They're going to stay in town. But they're all deer hunters. Uh, They just love hunting deer. You know, again, everyday men, basically, you know. Um, So they do that. Part two of the movie, The War. It is horrible. It's now like a few months has passed. It's a new, I think it's a new year now. And Mike, Nick, and Steven are in Vietnam and it's hell. The Viet Cong, I mean, are just shooting families down, their own people they're killing. Um, you know, Mike basically plays dead in this one scene and then he runs into Nick and Steven and, and this village gets exploded and then they get captured by the Viet Cong. And this group of Viet Cong, they are that like the, the the epitome of evil. They capture these guys and a bunch of other soldiers and a bunch of other like Vietnamese people too. They basically capture them, lock them up in this cage in the river Kwai, and it's gross. There are like rats and just dead people, dead guys like floating in the water. And they take them up into they take them up one by one into this uh, you know, little hut that they have and they force them to play Russian roulette wasn't what is Russian roulette I think you've probably heard of it and you should absolutely no god never play with it you see I'm shaking my head because it just it's so friggin' disturbing this is when the movie is very very hard to watch and I'm gonna get right into the historical part of this film uh this is what pissed a lot of people off when uh the deer hunter came out because apparently there were no reports of evil Viet Cong members uh, making prisoners engage in Russian roulette during the war. Now, Michael Cimino said the opposite. Michael Cimino claimed that he had actual news clippings from uh, this newspaper in Singapore claiming that it happened. But they've, they they kind of asked him like a lot, like, well, where is it? And he was like, well, I have it. I'm not going to show you. So did it really happen? We don't know. A lot of people don't actually... No. And a lot of people, when this came out, I mean, this was shown at the Berlin International Film Festival. It infuriated people. The Soviet delegation, they actually walked out of the film uh, as soon as the scene happened. And it led to a lot of other groups of people to walk out. I'm talking uh, Bulgarians, Poles, East Germans, Czechoslovakians, (coughs) Cubans, excuse me. Um, Even when it was uh, premiered at... uh, I think, I think it was Hollywood where it premiered at. There was a group, Vietnam Veterans Against the War. Vietnam Veterans Against the War. They protested the movie. They thought it was completely racist. Yeah. 
So a lot of people said that the Russian roulette didn't happen. Chimino claimed it did, and he also said, again, like I said, he wasn't trying to make a really political and necessarily accurate movie. And I found something that uh, was really interesting. So what the, there was, a, there was a, a producer on the movie, Michael Dealey, who actually defended this. And he said it, I found this really good quote. He said, the deer hunter wasn't really about Vietnam. It was something very different. It wasn't about drugs or the collapse of the morale of the soldiers. It was about how individuals respond to pressure. Different men reacting quite differently. Hmm. I get that. Men who fight and lose an unworthy war face some obvious and unpalatable choices. They can blame their leaders or they can blame themselves. Self-blame has been a great burden for many war veterans. So how does the soldier come to terms with his defeat and yet still retain his self-respect? I'm getting a bit ahead of myself, but do I approve of this questionably inaccurate depiction of the Vietnam War? Yes, I do a little bit. I do. Um, I think at the same time, though, this is more of an artistic film than a historically accurate one. We've all seen King Kong, the remake of King Kong, Peter Jackson's King Kong. I remember when that came out, and it's the depiction of, like, what is it, like, 1920s New York City is not accurate at all. It's so over the top. The colors and the buildings and the lights and everything. But there were a lot of critics that said, myself included, uh, um, who who, you know, people who just said... All right, it wasn't really accurate, but you know what? It's a movie. It's just Peter Jackson's imagination, you know, so whatever. Now, is it fair to say in The Deer Hunter, because this is, you know, King Kong is a made-up story about a big gorilla. The Deer Hunter is based on a real war that happened that took the lives of thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Maybe millions, maybe? I don't even know. Um, I didn't fact-check that. But So is it is it questionable? Yes. How do I really feel about it? I mean, I haven't really gotten too much into how sadistic these this Russian roulette sequence is, but it's it's it makes me question it a lot, how necessary it was. But you know what? After doing a lot of thinking, I approve of this. I really do. But I would say definitely, like to anyone who watches this movie, or you know, to you guys, like I'm telling it to you right now, it's not really historically accurate. It's not. Um, I'll leave it up to you whether you're offended by that or not, or whether you think that was a good idea to keep that in. But I think the purpose of making the Russian roulette scene so, the, the Russian roulette sequence so over the top and brutal and gruesome and sickening was to obviously traumatize the soldiers, you know, to traumatize Steven, Nick, and Mike. And that's what it does. It's one of the most intense sequences I've ever seen in my life. So, you know, Stephen, they forced him to do it. And Stephen is shaking and trembling. And Mike is the calmest guy out of all three. He is really, really remarkably just keeping it cool. And, you know, he's freaked out, of course, but he just is, you know, telling his his buddies, you know, just breathe, just breathe. You know, we're going to get through this. Just do it. You know, Stephen is just like, he's like a little baby boy. I mean, he's just... Oh, God, it's just so intense. And there's, you know, Stephen has the gun to his head and he is aiming it and he's freaking out and he's very slowly aiming, pointing, moving the gun so that it points towards the ceiling and he pulls the trigger and a bullet comes out and it grazes his head and hits the ceiling. So it doesn't really get him, but he's punished for that, of course, and he gets thrown into this, uh, the lake or the river, I'm sorry, the river Kwai. He gets put, uh, you know, hid under this big uh like 
wooden fence thing and he can like barely breathe under there and there are rats everywhere quick kind of amazing uh horrifying story is that uh john savage there's a scene in that in that scene he actually yells um michael there's rats in here he actually yells that now in the movie you think he's yelling for mike de niro's character he actually wasn't he was yelling for michael cimino the director because there were actually rats in there and he didn't know that so John Savage was actually freaking out and yelling like, dude, let me out. And um, yeah, so that's pretty gnarly in a very twisted sense. Um, I do not want to be stuck in a river with rats either. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, that scene with the rats friggin' traumatized me as a child. And let's not go there. Michael Cimino, though, I mean, this, this makes... I, I got some thoughts about Michael Cimino because um, in this scene... And I'm going to get to the rest of the movie, I swear. But this is like the pivotal moment of the whole movie. You know, this scene is so intense. You know, they bring in Nick and Mike and the Viet Cong, these members, they have like multiple people aiming guns at their head and they're yelling at these guys to play Russian roulette. And it's all a game to the Viet Cong. You know, they're all like betting on, will the trigger go off for that guy or that guy? You know, they're, it's like, it's like uh, gambling for them. So they're doing this and, uh, you know, Nick is just, again, trying not to cry and is just freaking out and can't do it. And Nick and Mike are getting slapped again, again, and again. And those slaps were real. They actually, Michael Cimino encouraged the actors to actually slap them. I mean, how do you feel about that? How do I feel about that? That's pretty crazy. I guess so long as it was all agreed upon, then that's fine. But, um, you know, I did read somewhere, too, that there was one shot where De Niro asked the Viet Cong leader to actually slap Walken for real without telling Walken so he could get a real reaction. And that says a lot about actors and Hollywood and, you know, that's, that's, a, that's messed up, in my opinion. That's messed up. Um, I won't get into it, but Last Tango in Paris... Uh, read about that scene. Just Google that. Well, actually, no, don't Google that because it's not safe for work, but Google the history of that movie and it is pretty fucked up. <sighs> oh, God. So, um, this scene is crazy and eventually, you know, you just see this this rage go over uh, Michael Mike's face and he's staring at the Viet Cong and the Viet Cong are laughing and Mike kind of plays along and he starts to laugh with them. Boom! He gets the gun out and he shoots everybody and Nick gets the other gun and they shoot all the Viet Cong and they shoot them all and kill them all and they get away. <sighs> Mike does get shot in the leg though and it's pretty bad but you know he's a tough guy. He gets up and he gets Nick and they get um, Stephen out of the out of the river and uh, they get on this like log and they, they float down the river and eventually this helicopter comes and it's it's americans of course thank god and they get nick in and they try to get mike and steven in but they can't make it mike michael and steven fall and back into the river steven breaks his legs and they make it to shore and they manage to make it into town and michael uh, just being the hero that he is you know uh, so nice basically picks up steven and and you know gets him on uh this uh what is it? What am I thinking? Ambulance and gets him to the hospital. Um, they, they Saigon. That's where they. That's where they get to in town. They get to Saigon. So you think it's all over, and that really is the last of the war sequences in this movie. But it's a long movie. We still got a lot more to to go. So I mean, what else happens next? Well, we see Nick. Nick is in this hospital now. 
absolutely friggin' traumatized and like comatose almost. Comatose? Com- comatose? Yeah. Um, catatonic. Walken is absolutely friggin' amazing in this scene. I mean, they ask uh, Nick, you know, what the names of his parents are so they can see if he remembers, and Nick just starts crying. Like, painfully, agonizingly crying. And you feel it. You feel it. That's PTSD for you. Yeah. So we follow Nick a little bit more. Nick just doesn't really know what he's doing, and he goes into town... You got to remember, like, they got out, but they're still there. And so it's like a part of you is watching this going, well, they're out. Like, you're, you're safe now. You're safe. But they're not. Nick, you know, goes into town and he finds uh, this super shady. He meets this really super shady business guy, French guy named uh, Julien. Julien is played by this actor named Pierre Segui, I think. Or C- yeah, Segui, I think that's how you say his name. And he is running this, like, really illegal, shady Russian roulette you know, uh, uh, business in town and Nick approaches it. And I think it's so triggering to him not to, you know, no pun intended, but it really is that Nick kind of, you know, just picks up the gun and pretends to shoot the guy and then pretends to shoot himself and then just storms out. And we see that Mike is actually in the crowd watching it just like as a, you know, like as a spectator basically. And he sees Nick and he runs out and goes, Nick, like, come back. I'm here. I'm alive. And he can't find him. Mike returns home finally to his town and he also has PTSD, but in a very different way. He doesn't really want to see anybody, you know, uh, 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 what's her name? Linda, you know, has thrown this big welcoming, welcoming party for him and he intentionally skips it. Like he's in the cab and he sees the house and he goes, no, 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 go drive, drive. He stays alone in his, this hotel room and he does, um, eventually meet up with, uh, Stan, Axel, and John, but they are just not there with him. They don't know the pain that he's been through. Steven is also not back yet. We don't really know where he is. We see uh, his wife, Angela, and she is also <laughs> catatonic and traumatized, and she didn't even freaking go to war. She's just so utterly grief-stricken because, you know, her husband, as we soon find out, is a paraplegic. Yeah, I'm skipping a little ahead, but um, Mike basically finds out where Steven is and he goes and Steven is just a mess and doesn't want to go back to town because he doesn't have any legs and he just doesn't want to deal with the new reality anymore, but he brings him back. Uh, Mike and Linda flirt a lot more and Linda just, you know, loves Nick and wants him back, but she's always had a little bit of a thing for Mike as well. And it's a very sweet, there is a very sweet moment where, you know, Linda gets kind of all pretty and dressed up and gussied up and want, and you know, is going to spend the night with Mike and she gets into the bedroom and he's, he's asleep and they do kiss later, but you know, Streep is just, I mean, is Streep ever bad? I mean, Meryl Streep is just fantastic, phenomenal in this film. And De Niro, Jesus Christ, De Niro, he was nominated for this film, but he, uh, for best actor, but he did not win, but not to worry. He would win soon for Raging Bull. And he had already won an Oscar for the Godfather part two. Everybody misses Nick. Everybody wants Nick back. Mike eventually goes back to Vietnam and he finds Nick. Nick is like a drug addict now and is worse than he was before. And when Mike goes to get him, Nick is just kind of like laughing and, you know, he spits in Mike's face. That also was improvised. (laughs) So much really 
eye-raising improvisation improvisation in this movie. Yeah, that was real. So De Niro getting angry in that scene, that was real. That was no acting. Um, yeah, Nick just does not want to come back, and Nick is now, like, a super popular attendee at, or not, not even an attendee, he participates in this Russian roulette business all the time, so he's putting his life on the line all the freaking time. And Mike is just out of options, and he eventually thinks that if he sits down with Nick and plays this awful game, that he'll bring Nick out of his, you know, trauma, and he'll remember, he'll make him remember where he comes from. So he's doing this, and Mike is just, you know, <sighs> pulling the trigger, and it keeps missing, and he keeps telling Nick in between, you know, uh, them handing the gun to each other, like, Nick, like, it's me, like, it's me, just come back, you know? But it's too late. Nick gets the gun, he points it to his head, the, there's the bullet in that round, and he shoots himself in the head. And Mike just runs over to him and is screaming and crying, and he's like, Nick, no! And there's blood going everywhere. <sighs> and Nick dies. We cut later to the town, the funeral. Everybody is just completely, completely depressed. And it ends with them at this bar that, you know, Mike and Nick and all the guys used to attend all the time. Uh, and everyone's at the table. And, you know, it's they just went to a funeral, so of course no one is happy. But they, they go there and then they start singing God Bless America. They just all sing it very, very sadly and softly. And then, my friends, the deer hunter ends. I get chills, like, just thinking about it. Um, I really, really do. And apologies, I know that this episode's a bit longer, but it is a long movie, and there's a lot to get through. But, wow. I think what's really cool about this movie, too, is the way that Chimino, the director, incorporates these little moments that are, are subtly triggering for Mike and everybody. You know, like, when Mike goes to visit... Um, why do I always forget her name? Not Linda. Angela. When, it, when he goes to visit Angela in her place, he walks into the room and the baby, like her baby is holding onto a toy gun on the bed, like pointing at him being like, he he dang, you know? Oh God. I mean, it's, it's, it's horrifying. And you know, when there's the other scene when Mike, and this is very common with PTSD people, uh, when PTSD victims, excuse me, when Mike goes to, to find, to get Steven in the hospital, there's a quick moment where this nurse drops this tray of, hospital items or whatever and it's so loud it sounds like a gun it's like bang you know and mike like jolts you know and he turns to the left and you, you as the audience see that it's just a nurse that dropped a, a tray you know and there's there's a lot of that which is just very very um and you know there's a lot of just foreshadowing in the movie too that's very eerie um, I was a little confused because, you know, there's a scene in the beginning where Axel, John Cazal's character, he doesn't go to Vietnam, but there's this moment before the wedding where the camera, he's, he's looking at his reflection in this car window, and it looks like there's a bullet through the window, like the, like the window's cracked. And the, the camera slowly and, and very eerily just zooms in on Cazal's, uh, I'm sorry, Axel's face. Foreshadowing? gunshot wound i don't know it's so i'm confused though because axel didn't go to the war, so i don't really get that but i think you know obviously the most uh the biggest example of foreshadowing is at the wedding when uh angela and steven 
they've just gotten married and they're doing that thing that I, I'm not Greek Orthodox. So I don't know if they do this. I don't know about this, but they do the thing where they, uh, the bride and groom, they each hold this glass of wine and they, uh, put their arm, they, they, you know, uh, twirl their, no God, what am I trying to say? They put their arms like around each other basically while holding the wine glasses. And then they have to take a sip. And what the, 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 uh, the religious guy, the priest or whatever, what he says is, um, you know, if you don't spill a drop, it's good for the rest of your life. And then they're drinking. And then we see a little close up. Angela spills a little bit of the wine on her wedding dress. So it's not going to happen for them. Not going to happen. Yeah. A lot of it. I also thought it was funny. There are so many rolling rocks, the drink rolling rock. There are so many of those beers in this film. Like De Niro drinks like 50 of them in this movie. That has no symbolism though to the film. I've kind of talked a lot, you guys, about why this movie is so brilliant and incredible and, and real. I, I think, I think for its time when it came out, it really switched gear with with the whole war genre you know it really took the war genre that had been done to death for so many years and it really became its own original thing you know controversial a hundred percent historically accurate i don't really think so i mean look i'm not calling chimino a liar if he says he has clippings that said that russian roulette really did happen uh throughout you know the war done by the Viet Cong than it did. But, you know, I think even if it didn't, I think there's something really important to remember about this movie. And that is simply that everybody is human. You know, all these guys that go to war, they're not, they're tough guys. You know, a lot of them are, but they're also still human. And every one of us has that sensitive side to, to us that is eventually going to come out. And it makes you really think about all the, hundreds and hundreds of men who went to war, not just Vietnam, but any war, thinking that they were okay, just trying to, you know, support their country and do it because they thought it was the right thing and thought that they were being, they could handle it and they couldn't. And it's not their fault. None of us can handle what, you know, uh, Mike, Nick and Steven go through in this movie. None of us can. None of us can. And like the other characters, none of us can understand the pain that they've endured. You know, we hear stories about men who have fought, uh, in, in, in any war and it doesn't sound believable because you weren't there. You know, I just realized too, it's Memorial day and I'm talking about this movie. Jesus. Whoa. That was a weird coincidence. I did not plan that. I swear to God, but I don't know. Maybe that's why I'm very passionate about it today. Oh my God. The deer hunter. What is the moral of this movie? Oh God. Well, plain and simple. Don't go to war. I mean, yeah, um, don't go to war, be there for one each other, for one another, you know, be a Michael, be like Michael, be there for the people that you love, you know? Yeah. Kind of a bleak, bleak moral. Well, every moral I say for every episode of these movies is, is bleak, but, um, Oh, and this is a Friday. This is coming out. Oh, God. Okay, you don't need to watch this on a Friday night, but do I recommend this movie? 110 million, 20,000, kajillion percent. This is a phenomenal, phenomenal movie. Where can you watch it? You got to rent it. I'm sorry. It's nowhere to stream right now. Uh, you can rent it on Apple TV. You can rent it on Google Movies, Vudu, YouTube, Prime, wherever you rent it. Guys, it's $3.99, and I know it's a long movie, but it is so worth it. It's so fantastic. 
And uh, yeah, I will catch you next time. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. New episodes of I'm Reviewing Here are every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'm also on YouTube. You can uh, listen to episodes that way. They are the same day as episodes on the podcast. You can get the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Anywhere. I'm everywhere. Okay? And I'm not going anywhere, so shut up. Just kidding. Next week is going to be very, very fun. We have some other interesting movies. Um, why am I blanking right now? What they are? Well, I'm not going to tell you. Anyway, this was great. Don't forget to also follow me on Instagram if you'd like. Uh, at I'm reviewing here. You can also follow me personally at Mabusi, M-A-B-U-S-S-Y. It's my last name. No jokes. Um, also, don't forget to re- uh, uh, leave a review if you want to, honestly. Leave a good review, preferably, uh, because this is awesome, and I really hope I'm doing a good deed here. Hope I'm doing a mitzvah by recommending or not recommending movies. It's been a while since I didn't really recommend a movie. I guess Brief Encounter I didn't really love, but eh, I don't know. It's fun. This is a lot of work, and it is a lot of fun, and I really hope that you're getting a kick out of it, and I'm not annoying you too much, and I'm not depressing you too much. I mean, I didn't make this movie. I'm just talking about it. Give me a break. All right. Bye, everybody. Have a wonderful weekend, and I will see you next week. Bye-bye.